Hello and welcome to uh, Four Guys and a Scotty. We're a little shorthanded today, so it's actually only two guys and a Scotty. But uh, I'm here. I'm Seth Kranzler. I'm here with... Brian Dexheimer. And, and the, the very the, own... And I am the Scotty Deutsch. More like the Scotty. Yeah, he's just... <laughs> and uh, we're, we're here to bring you some uh, delectable sports information for your for your earlobes. We're going to be... Uh, <laughs> earlobes? <laughs> earlobes. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be here talking to you about the... Uh, the NBA, some of the uh, the baseball offseason moves and the player awards that came out. Um, I think we're going to get into a little bit of the uh, the Jets situation as um, they got uh, got their their butts handed to them by the Patriots. What was it? They actually 20, did, they physically got their butts twenty one points in fifty two seconds. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, it actually was. It was a disaster in every single sense. Uh, I could talk for forty five minutes about what is wrong with the Jets right now. But I'm not going to. I'm just going to sum it up. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, last week uh, we recorded a podcast, but um, it was a little bit staticky. So what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to release it with uh, with this podcast as kind of a, a bonus feature for you guys because we, we care about you guys and, you know, we're looking out for you. And um, we're, we're lucky, though, to, to have our, our audio technician and engineer, Andrew Allison Godfrey here, who is saving us and making sure that we don't uh, screw up our podcast again. So uh, thank you, Andy. And uh, without further ado, I think we're going to jump right into it and talk about uh, talk about Amari and the Knicks. Because uh, Amari, Amari Stoudemire said that he would, uh, much like we talked about in our in our first podcast, he would uh, actually come off the bench and would be happy to do so in the Knicks offense. And uh, we're here with our resident Knicks expert, Scotty Deutsch, who's going who's gonna to enlighten us. All times for the Knicks expert. Yeah, I thought it was a very unselfish move by Amari Stoudemire. Uh him being an alpha and, and um, Carmelo being an alpha, it was tough for those two to mesh on the court along with another uh, predominant force in Tyson Chandler. It, it was really tough to just combine all those guys in together into one productive offense. And I think that is a very unselfish move because he understands that the organization is winning. He doesn't want to screw up the chemistry. And so I, I, really, th- I really think it's a good move. He's being paid $20 million, and, and he's still doing this. Great move by Amari. And I think where it's where it's especially going to be helpful is that you've got two, like you said, alpha players in Amari Stoudemire and in um, Carmelo Anthony. And where it'll really benefit the Knicks is that it's really tough to have the differing play styles of Amari and Carmelo on the floor at the same time because Amari, Amari is such a pick-and-roll player and because Carmelo is such an isolation player. So now, uh, now that Amari's been coming off, coming off the bench, they'll be able to kind of play a different style with that second unit and Amari will get in his pick and rolls and uh, some of his touches in the post a lot easier where they won't have to really worry about Carmelo and getting him his ISO touches. So I think it's going to be a really good move and I think it'll make them um, a contender and I mean if they can you know get Chumper back, have him play at the, at the level he did last year or better, um, they can go deep in the playoffs. I mean, I like, seriously think they're a threat to the Heat. I'm not sure about that. They're not the favorite, but they're a threat. I think they could be a threat. If they're half, I think that's three, fair. I think the, a threat's a fair. I think it would be an interesting. Especially series. if they're on, th- if they're they're making all the. I threats. also think it'd be interesting to see if Amari got a lot of time, say when Carmelo's out. Yeah. For example, because Raymond Felton, Jason Kidd, I don't know about Pablo, whatever his face is, how they can <laughs> like a pick and roll. I, yeah. I, I think it'd be interesting to see with Amari. Well, I think Pablo Prigioni. He's shown that he's not a shoot-first player. He's very pass-oriented, and I think that, you know, basing basing off what we've seen in the Olympics from Pablo, because he's this is the first year in the NBA. He's what like a thirty-six-year-old rookie. Um, 35. 35. Thirty-five. Sorry, sorry. 
Um, I think that him and Amari could actually be a very good pick and roll duo. So um, it'll be interesting to see. And you know, like like you said, they're definitely gonna be a threat uh, threat to the Heat. I think that they could be a four seed, maybe even a three seed. I still think that Brooklyn has the edge on them, as seen by the the Nets Knicks game. But it'll be it, the East is very interesting right now. I mean, you've got Charlotte. <laughs> I mean, who would have thought that Charlotte Bobcats? They're still over five hundred. Would it's you have predicted that? Last. I think that it's I don't been think more that they'll make the, the playoffs. Dis- I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but they've been playing well. Got to get, got to get. I think it's more about the disappointments. I Pacers. The, I predict the Pacers, Pacers is is who I'm, I'm not that surprised. They lost. I, Darren Collison is too important to them. You think so? I, yes. I, I think that's very. I think I that's very that true. I think that's you know now one that, bench now player does not. He was not a starter for a while. No, he was a starter for a while. He changes the tempo. They're different players. I mean, George Hill. George Hill had that layup against the Lakers to win it, but. No, I think George Hill's a good player, but yeah. it's a different change of pace. Yeah, especially with Danny Granger out, too. They yes. need someone who can score more. And Darren Collison, although he's been struggling as of late in Dallas, started off the year very strong in Dallas. And this change of scenery seems to do him well, as well as O.J. Mayo, who was on that team, who's been playing fantastically in I Dallas. I think the huge issue right now is the player Roy Hibbert. I cannot believe how badly he's playing. He's been playing awfully. Like He's been hitting like six turnovers a game. It's terrible. Shooting like 35%. They just signed him to a huge extent. Max Steele. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it George. was a max deal. I also think Paul George is incredibly overrated. I thought that during the playoffs yeah. last year, I thought that every, for some reason everyone loves him. I, I, yeah, I think it's his dunking ability. I've never bought into yeah. it. He, he can't shoot. He's, he, I mean, <laughs> kind of a problem. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. How, how about the Celtics? I'm, I'm, pretty, uh, I'm pretty disappointed. I know that they lost Ray Allen, and I know that they got a year older, but still, I wouldn't expect them to be 6-8. and eight. I, I, I agree. They're, they'll shape up. They're gonna make the playoffs. Yeah, they'll make the they're playoffs. Like yeah, playoffs. Yeah, yeah. They'll they make don't the playoffs. They don't but shock people in the regular season. They're, they're like gonna a, scrap in the they're playoffs. They're like the worst San Antonio Spurs, you know. That's that's honestly, yeah. I see that in them. I, yeah. No, but the Spurs they just do well in the regular season. No, no, no. Yeah. The Spurs yeah. are the regular season yeah. champs. Yeah, they still yeah. battle in the postseason. Not if they just give up. Yeah. I, I yeah. think the Celtics experience will still help them. I think they'll still. I mean, once they get everyone healthy together, I think it'll be interesting to see. I do think Ray Allen's a huge loss. Jason Terry's done nothing. Yeah, but Rajon Rondo has played a very, very high level in my eyes. Um, speaking of which, Rajon Rondo just got ejected last night for a fight um, against the Nets. You know, it's the second time they played the Nets this year. I believe Nets won the first matchup. I don't know. I, I, they, I believe the Nets won yep. the first matchup. Yeah, they did. Uh, however, Rajon Rondo was not playing. He was out with an ankle injury, I think, or something. Um, and I think it was second quarter. Rajon Rondo pushes Chris Humphreys after Chris Humphreys. Follows through, honestly, very lightly on a foul. Yeah, wasn't that, bad. that was it was not a hard. That foul. was not a hard foul. It's not it like even that a was, flagrant. Yeah, thing. not even close. You know, and um, Rajan Rondo, Kevin, uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Garnett got a technical. <laughs> Gerald Wallace got uh, his second technical. Um, he had a, a previous one for arguing a call. And Chris Humphreys, who got two technicals on the play, which I didn't really understand. I didn't really think he got. Deserved to be ejected from the fight. I, I mean, he was obviously pushing Rajon Rondo a little bit, but I, I didn't think he instigated the fight. I don't. I didn't see him throw a punch or anything like that. And um, it's like saying James Harden should have been ejected for the yeah. Game. No, he no. was pushing back. He, I, a little, he was right? involved, but I mean, there was he nothing. He was involved. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I thought that was a pretty crazy. It was definitely a crazy moment. You don't see a lot of you know big brawls like that anymore. I feel like, and that that one seemed to you know it boiled over to the stands and. That, that, that was a little bit of a, a crazy moment. I think a symbolic moment of, you know, the, things are shifting in the East and 
the Celtics aren't what they used to be. They can't beat up on the Nets anymore. They're not, you know, I think it was something like seven times at home, seven times in a row, last seven games, they beat the Nets or something like that. So um, I think it's showing that tides are shifting, and it, it is now. It's the Knicks. It's the Nets. Um, it's the Heat. It's the Heat. Well, well, I think. Just, I think. Just I, yeah. Well, not, I, I, not even that. I mean, I think we've known it's the Heat, you know, for. I really. I don't know. It's not symbolic. I think we knew the Celtics were going to be as good. We knew the Nets were going to be greatly improved. Yeah. I still don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs. You know, it was very interesting. Um, I, I, I listened to the, the Jalen Rose report, which is a podcast with Jalen Rose and Dan Jacoby on the Grantland Network, and uh, I was listening to some of them um, of their podcasts they did over the summer, and uh, it was really interesting hearing their thoughts on the Nets and how. Basically, the Nets weren't were gonna miss out this free agency in this free agency period and totally strike out like they did a couple of years ago. End up with no one, not even D. Will, and basically have a season of mediocrity. And their, I mean, their lineup is incredible. Their starting lineup is incredible. They overpaid Joe Johnson. I think so that's, much. That, that's very true. I don't Joe know Johnson's how they did that. Joe Johnson was overpaid in Atlanta. Completely. He's just an I don't know player, how you overpay him again. Darren Williams is overrated in my mind. I think he's still good. I think he's overrated. Brooke Lopez is not tough. He's got some decent moves Brooke down Lopez low. Is the Jared Wallace is the most important player on that team. That's about it. Yeah, he's a good defender, and, and and they have a pretty good bench too. Jerry Stackhouse knocks down the three, so definitely a big contender. Definitely. And uh, with that, I think we're going to move on to uh, some baseball talk. Talking about New York. Um, the Yankees. Or awards first. Uh, okay, let's get let's, let's get, get awards about the awards. Yeah. So, MVP, obviously American League. We've got we got Miggy, which you know I think he completely deserved it. I think that Trout had a fantastic season. He deserved Rookie of the Year. You know he deserved all the praise that he got. But I, I think if someone wins the Triple Crown, that should be a guarantee. For I don't him. think it should be a guarantee necessarily. So? I also don't think it should have been obvious. I, I am siding Miguel Cabrera on yeah. this one. That's who I would have voted for. Maybe not obvious if there's someone who didn't have as many home runs but had a much higher... Obviously, yeah. Whatever, yeah. It, you know. Mike Trout, obviously, better fielder, great fielder, mm-hmm. has the base slowing down. However, Miguel Cabrera did lead his... I, I'll admit, too, the Tigers didn't even have a better record than the Angels, and the Angels did have the best record in the league with Mike Trout on the team. Yeah. However, the Angels did... They didn't really play that all that well down the stretch. Mike Trout... I mean, he wasn't playing horribly in September, but he arguably had some of his worst times in September. And he wasn't, he, the, as much as he was the rookie star of the team, he wasn't the player leading them through in the clutch when they needed it. Exactly. I, Miguel, Miguel Cabrera, Cabrera did. Put, yeah, he That's, put the team on his Miguel back. Cabrera, Mike, Mike Trout had a huge war, though, which is the went to replacement. I hate that statistic. I don't, thi- I don't know how important. in the world you can say that Mike Trout is whatever. Two wins better than every single player in the league. <laughs> I, Something's flawed. Well, look, obviously I think that Miguel Cabrera should have been rookie of the year. I don't understand how someone that hits 50 home runs, hits 340 and 140 RBIs. It's crazy. That basically elevates his team. And Prince Fielder really didn't have that great of a year. He, he was okay. He was, he, was, he was okay. But he he carried the Tigers. Absolutely. And, and, and I know it doesn't count for the playoffs, but you, you even saw that in, in, in the playoffs leading them to the World Series. and. Like the Tigers were pretty behind the White Sox uh, at, at one point in August, and he really elevated that franchise. I also think people underrate. Like obviously, people are, like hate Miguel Cabrera for his defense, sort of. But 
He was very unselfish for moving to third base. Yeah, he's not. He's not that bad defender at third he, base. I mean, he could have said no to the Tigers wanting Prince Field and be like, "No, I'm going to play first base." No, he was unselfish and allowed that move to come yeah. in. Yep, yeah, good move. And uh, speaking of, of postseason play, the Giants obviously they won the World Series, and a large part of that was Buster Posey, and he was the NL MVP. Do you think, you know, the Giants are a funny team? They had their top ace, and well, I, I guess top ace is debatable when you're calling Tim Lincecum top ace. But not in years. Really. Uh, yeah, that hasn't I mean, been for a couple years. Really, two se- I'd say two seasons. Yeah, two seasons. I'll agree. Um, who came through? I mean, Tim Lincecum came back and he played great in relief. Yes. Yes, and well, in relief, yes. he was bonafide. Didn't you have one game where he had like seven innings, innings of relief though? I mean, yeah, I mean, that's yeah, basically a start. <laughs> but um, Buster Posey, great comeback story. He also won the comeback player of the year award. Um, you know, really great story of him coming back after that horrific, uh, you know, crash injury at the home plate. So, uh, Cy Young. I, I was really surprised by this. David Price, Cy Young Award winner. I think it, it was one vote, right? That, that's what decided over Justin Verlander. I thought Verlander deserved it. He seemed like the more dominant pitcher in the AL, you know, when you're talking about who was going to start um, for the All-Star game for the... For the East, I don't think anyone thought David Price was going to start. I disagree with you. I'm very happy that David Price won it. The only reason why Verlander would have won it is reputation. Mm-hmm. David Price had better numbers. He was winning with a well, worse Well, postseason team. play doesn't doesn't count, though. I'm, I'm, I wasn't talking about David Price had better numbers. Mm-hmm. Justin Verlander would have won off of reputation yeah. as a whole, as him being the best pitcher in the league. I was pretty torn on this one. It was a close it race. Was, I, I, it should be close, yes. Verlan- Verlander has yeah. the reputation. Price had the stats. Uh, I think that Verlander should have won it, actually. Be, uh, he still had 24 wins or so, still a 2.5-ish ERA. That, that, that's pretty amazing. And I also think that when you're facing a pitcher like Justin Verlander, you know that you're getting the heat. Uh, I, I think that David Price has to solidify uh, his consistency. I think he did this year. He'd be pitched better than... Yeah, I think that is fair. That, 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 as far as consistency goes, David Price was a very consistent. And if you're talking about statistics, David Price this had year, better th- This year, he was definitely more consistent. I still, I don't know. There's just something about facing Verlander that just I, I think yes, it's scary, the, the but that doesn't mean he should win Cy Young. And for the NL, R.A. Dickey obviously won the Cy, the Cy Young. I think there was two I don't know, obviously, but I agree with the decision. There, there, I mean, I Johnny Cueto yeah. had a very good year, too. I, yeah, he did, but, but I, Ari, I, he, I think he, Ari Diggy deserved Johnny Cueto did trail off a bit at the end of the yes, year. Yes, I'd say that. Yep, he did. But, uh, I mean, to be fair, I, I feel like knuckleball pitchers are, it's like the wildcat, where, yes, Tim Tebow worked for seven games or however many games it was, but once people figure it out, it's over. And I'm not knuckleball sure... Knuckleball's not like that at all. Well... While I understand that it, it, knuckleballs, you know, the whole point is the pitcher doesn't know where it's going, the hitter doesn't know where it's going. I feel like that gimmick of the knuckleball is going to kind of phase out, like Tim Wakefield. Like Wakefield was pretty dominant though. And yeah, but it, how long did it last? Twenty years. Oh wow, he was a <laughs> pitcher a until he was like forty-five. Yeah. <laughs> As a predominantly knuckleball pitcher, though. Yeah. Yes, that, that's all he was. <laughs> I think he's even different. He throws Mark, like a hard knuckleball. Mark Mulder. I think the story helped him a little bit, but I, I, I probably would have voted for him too. But yeah, you, you're saying that they would have figured it out. R.A. Dickey kept this throughout the entire year. So if you're saying that like it was something that was going to phase out, no. The batters were still fooled. They didn't figure it out the whole year. So Well, I guess the other thing is, where did this guy come from? Why wasn't he a bigger pitcher earlier? I, I feel like he just... This happens all the time in baseball. It, it was just such a huge he, rise. that he, just, It's he, like he wrote, he wrote a book. 
he wrote a book uh, with a surprise because I think that's what you said. Knuckleball pitchers aren't uh, very common in the game anymore, at least, or at least not as common as they once were. But he he wrote a book. Uh, they were, he was in and out of the league yeah. with, with uh, sometimes out of the league, sometimes in the minors. Sometimes I, I mean I, I I saw him with the Mets like five years ago, but he didn't really do anything. And he comes back this year, thirty six, and blows just up. Shows up. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to rookie of the years. Uh, Al was no question. Mike yeah, Trout, Trout had to win. Yeah, we've already no talked question. about that. The other thing, back to Trout for one second. The re- uh, back to sort of the MVP. I also think people always talk about how like because of him, Pujols was great. I, I think know. that's no. semi ridiculous. It's no. not like Pujols, it's not like Trout's sitting behind him. Pujols was going to break out. It's not completely correlative. Yeah, no. Baseball is a very individual yes. sport. It doesn't affect other people. Um, and NL Bryce Harper won. I think this is debatable. That's a very debatable one. Yeah, some debate. I think Bryce Harper won based on his popularity and based off his fan appeal. I think it would have been actually. Question pro. I think it would have been close still. Todd Frazier had a good year, but once again, he trailed off towards the end of the year. I, I could have seen Wade Miley. Wade Miley I know that's how you feel. Pick. Bryce Harper did play much better in September, though, and yeah. I, I don't know how much you want to pay attention to that as a Rookie of the Year candidate. Yeah. I don't know how much people do, but I agree. I think his reputation definitely did help him. Um, I think if Todd Frazier kept up his playing, he would have done much better. I also think as a pitcher for Rookie of the Year, it's pretty difficult, yeah. especially when you play for a Diamondbacks team that disappointed. Mm. But and he, just quick, quick, quickly, one word, one word answer, yes or no. If Steven Strasburg did not have an innings limit, do you think the Nationals would have went much further in the playoffs? That's a tough one. Uh, can I give more than a one-word answer? Make it quick. Okay. <laughs> yes. I think that it made an impact off the field. I think that by them benching Strasburg because of the innings limit, I think that it did have an effect on the team, on, on the team's morale. and they, So you're coming from a all the media attention and the negativity it brought, kind of, in that. Yeah, and it just brought so much hate upon this franchise for, for benching a for benching so that, like you're a saying that would have been pitcher, the reason. Okay. Well, there was really nothing wrong with him, mm-hmm. really. Like he was pitching fine. It's not like anything was. Well, nasty. they did do with There's Jordan Zimmerman. Yes, yeah, they did it with Jordan Zimmerman the year before. I had Jordan Zimmerman my fantasy team, and I was kind of surprised. Where mid, you know, not midway through the year, but midway through the second half of the season, they said, "Okay, they're shutting him down," and I had to find. There have been studies after 160 innings after Tommy John. Yeah, things can go wrong. Yeah. So Dex, yes, no. I don't think it would have made it to the World Series. I, don't, I, just, I, I can agree with that. I think experience does play a big role in baseball postseason. Um, I just think the Giants would have taken them anyway. I, I, I could I have seen them getting somewhere, but yeah. I, I don't think they would have gone past the Giants. Okay. And uh, we got manager of the year. Let's do NL first. That one's more. Oh. But we'll move. AL is a little more debatable. We can okay. catch that. Fine. But uh, NL manager of the year, we got Davey Johnson. I think. I agree. I, I'll manage did a great job, really. Yeah. But. I can see that. Yeah, David Johnson did do a very good job. That's fair. And the AL, my very own, Bob Melvin of the A's, the Oakland Athletics, my team. Um, you know, I'm going to argue for Bob Melvin. I think that the A's where this offseason, you know, Pujols goes to the Angels, Josh Hamilton's still on the Rangers. I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, oh, God, the AL West is two-team race for the next five years. The A's mixed up, ended up 
winning the AL West, and I couldn't be happier. You know, and I, they didn't do it with a huge payroll. You know, they didn't do it with star players. They did it with, I think, good coaching, good effort, and good team chemistry. I could see an argument made for Buck Showalter, especially with all like the one-run yes, games absolutely. they won. That I completely too. agree. You did an incredible job. I actually do think Bob Melvin should have won it. There was something like 100 games started by rookies. That's absolutely incredible yeah. for the team that wins. <laughs> yeah. When one of your superstars is named Josh Reddick, that's also pretty incredible. Yoenis um, like Cespedes was hitting about 200 for about two months. Yeah. Comes back from an injury. Starts having an incredible year. If Mike Trout was there, he would have been run away for MB- I mean, um, rookie of the year. Um, I think he did an incredible job. Yeah. I, th- I think it should have... It's close. I, I think yeah. I, could, I, could I, see I, yeah. I think it should have been Buck though. And I like Buck Showalter. You know? Yeah. I, I I think that when when you look at where the Orioles were, they didn't make a whole lot of moves. A lot of their players did get better. Well, I mean, Jim Johnson was their star practice. It was Jim Johnson and Adam Jones. Well, I mean, people knew Jim Johnson, but I think you could argue because starting pitching wasn't spectacular. Obviously, the bullpen was. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what people. What was knew. Jim Johnson's streak before Jim, he went into the playoffs? People, like, people kind of knew Jim Johnson was had fantastic. Hadn't lost a, a save opportunity when it was one yeah. run or something. Like, I or think the crazy. one run, the argument you would make for him to win is all the one run ball games yeah. they won and yeah. like extra inning games because that is something a manager does. Like that, that's where managers make their money. And obviously, the Orioles coming, you know, playing in the AL East, yeah, exactly. extremely tough division, were phenomenal. And and you know. I like the A's. I like you know that underdog story, and I was rooting for the Orioles, you know, the whole time. So I, I you know, very close race. I'm glad Bob Melvin won it, but I would have been happy with Buck Showalter winning it as well. And then we got postseason awards. You know, I don't think there was a really big question on World Series oh, MVP. Oh. Yeah, pa- Pablo Sandoval. Yeah. But um, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. We've got some uh, some more topics. I think we're gonna start talking about some of the off season moves and. Um, I think this is going to launch us into a bit of a debate. Yeah. Um, this is something that I've argued with um, a lot of friends of mine who are Yankees fans. Let's just do the moves first. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk okay. about the okay. two moves. That we'll get and into um, we've got BG Upton, the Braves. That was a very recent one. He signed a contract for five years, seventy-five million dollars. Um, I don't think that was too surprising. Tampa Bay hasn't been. I think there's some talent to it though. Yeah. Because, like Rays. Some people are disappointed by BG Upton's. But the Rays have gotten a lot out of him for the money they put in. I believe he was a second overall pick. Yeah, but for the money they've put in, like compared to some of the players, I mean, he's gotten them a bunch of wins. That's a whole like money ball idea, I guess. Yeah. He's been a bit disappointing. I think the Braves probably overpaid him a little bit based on it, but they do need a center fielder now. I think it was a respectable move. I mean, I understand it. $15 million a year is ridiculous for B.J. Upton. I still think that he was incredibly disappointing over the past few years. He's he's just not worth $15 million in my book. I, I think five years, $50 million w- w- would have been better for me. I can see that. I just I think the Braves really wanted him. And, and he fits the team. I think that they were scared someone else might take him. I don't know. I think they just wanted to lock him up. I do think he's overpaid. I'll agree with you. Move on to the other deal. All right, well, so move on to the other one. I also want to bring up, what do you guys think of the, the big blockbuster deal that sent um, oh, Jose Reyes and uh, who else went, went in that deal? It was Jose. It was Josh Johnson. Mark Burley. Josh Johnson. Right? Yeah. Wasn't Josh, Burley? It was Josh. Johnson, yeah, and Burley, Josh. And, uh, and Jose. And there was some other kind of role player that Giancarlo Stanton was upset about. But um, 
you read his tweet? Yeah, he was, was insane. Giancarlo Stanton was extremely angry with the Marlins. I mean, they would protest down in Miami, um, even though I think only like five people showed up, which was a great photo. Um, <laughs> but however, it's something like <laughs> it's something like uh, you know eighty-five or ninety percent of the of the of the fan. Of the, of the fans are unhappy with uh, the Marlins GM, ownership, everything, really. They just, they're not supporting the organization right now. I mean, the Ozzie Guillen experiment was awful. That blew up in their face. Uh, within, you know, how, how quick was it before he said the thing about Fidel Castro? I mean, I'm not surprised. It was taken a bit out of context, obviously. In oh, Miami, of course, but, it's a bit, but, like, when you bring in Ozzie, what do you expect? Like, kind of, I actually love him, even though he played against my team. Like, I still love him. The full Florida, like, managing system it's been like this historically yeah to tell the truth yeah i thought they were going to be a breakout team also they well, got, everyone did. i thought they were overrated you know heath bell left heath bell went to the the diamondbacks i mean they, they blew up the team yes yeah. now just john carlos stanton it, it, they had jose they traded hanley mid-year uh, i i think that kind of went unnoticed too uh i mean he he Hanley really tailed off. I really don't know what happened. Didn't he start playing well for the Dodgers, though, I thought? A little bit. I thought he picked it up. Yeah, well, he, he was even good the year before. Yeah. No, no, I, I know. He was awful. I, I was before. so shocked. He was, a number, he was a number two pick, wasn't he? Number one, number two. Yeah. He was number two fantasy. pick after Pools. He was Pools. top guys, he was, yeah. He was, yeah, ooh. Fantasy big boy. I think he had, like, 218 or something like that. For yeah. Yeah. It, was to- it was awful. Now, speaking of which, so, Jose Reyes is now a Blue Jay. Does this make the Blue Jays a contender in the East? They've got... Um, Jose. They've got Jose. <laughs> you know. Um, Batista. You don't know about yeah, Batista. Yeah, oh, no. Batista and Reyes. Jose and Jose. Um, and Encarnacion. Those are, if Jose can get back to his Mets form, those are three heavy hitters. Yeah, I think if Batista can get healthy too. Yes, he, absolutely. He had, some he had a lot of hand here. issues last year. Um, I think another big issue is if Josh Johnson can be healthy and be dominant. Yeah. Because when he's been healthy, he has been... I mean, he's had stints of, like, Was greatness. his Tommy John surgery this year or last year? Last year. Last year. Last year? But yeah. he, yeah. I, I don't know if he'd become the same yeah. dominant pitcher. Um, it's still going to be difficult. Like, it, I mean, that's a very competitive division. Yeah. Do you think the Red Sox will bounce back after this awful, awful season? Who did I, they resign as manager? Have they signed? No, have, no, no. They, 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 they did, like, a little trade with the Blue Jays for their manager. Oh. I didn't even see that. That was Farrell, right? I believe so. Um, yeah. I think so. He was their pitching coach at one time. It's not going to happen this year. I don't know yeah. why everyone's so surprised, to tell the truth. They don't have that much Well, they talent. got bombarded by injuries. Yeah, but they, I mean, their talent level isn't that incredible, even like compared to the Yankees. And uh, speaking of the Yankees, I think we're going to... I believe we already talked about... Um, yeah, we talked about B.J. Upton, so let's, let's move on to Andy yep. Pettit. Um, Any Pettit got re-signed for twelve million dollars a year, and uh, true or false, Eddie Pettit, Pettit w- was good last year. True, right? Yep. I think yeah. we can agree. Yep. He did. He did a good job for coming out of retirement and coming back. I was shocked, actually. Actually, yeah. Me too. Um, twelve million dollars a year. No. No. Just no. Not, not He's forty. He's old. Yeah, but it's just the Yankee way. Exactly, and I think this is where we're gonna we're gonna get a little debate about the salary cap. Um, as an A's fan, obviously my, my team is not exactly payroll central and, and is known for operating on a lower payroll. See Moneyball. <laughs> yeah, see Moneyball. Great film. And um, I think one of the things you see with um, one, one of the statistics you see thrown around a lot in sports about salary caps, things like um, in soccer with Manchester City is, you know, Manchester City's bench is six times the amount of 
every player starting on, you know, Swansea City or some random, you know, no-name team that, you know, most people haven't heard of. And I think it's the same thing with the Yankees, where the Yankees' payroll is so ridiculous. What is it? It's like $300 million? It's Something a lot like of money. That. It's, it's a huge amount. And you get the A's, which are like $60 million. You know, it, and it's, it's ridiculous. It's not fair. There shouldn't be that much money that can just be thrown around. The luxury tax, a ridiculous joke. I mean, you know, the Yankees have just been known to just spend over, pay the luxury tax, and they don't care. And it, the luxury tax doesn't deter the Yankees from spending their money. There's no salary cap. Players get signed to 20-year, 10-year contracts. It's ridiculous. Albert Poole signed, you know, a 10-year contract. Evan Longoria signed a 10-year contract. I mean, they shouldn't be able to do that. It's just, it's totally ridiculous. I think it ruins the sport. Scotty, you can go next. I'm fine with the 10-year contracts. I'm, I'm, I'm not okay with, with the money per year. And, and, and I, th- that's how basketball does it. That's how football does it. And I think football's got the best salary cap, but. They do, they do, and it's the most competitive, I yeah. would say. And I think in baseball, I'm a diehard Yankees fan. They overpay their players a ridiculous amount. A-Rod. Just don't, don't even talk to me about A-Rod. <laughs> that, that, uh, he's like on another level uh, on my hate list. He's not even worth $5 million. He's just awful. Maybe he can, maybe he can uh, become a magician. He seemed to vanish pretty well uh, at the end of last season. Good one. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they, they severely overpay their players, and I think that's part of the reason why, in baseball, teams stay bad for longer. Yeah. It, there's a huge division in between the good teams and the bad teams, and the bad teams stay bad, the good teams stay good, the, the runs continue for too long, The dra- it, it's harder to draft in the, in, in the MLB because the players are more unpredictable. And it takes more time to develop them. And it takes more time. Uh, you got the whole minor system, that's tricky. So I think that on top of that, you're going to allow overpaying of players. It's it's ridiculous. I agree completely that the Yankees overpay their players. I've always brought this up. I, I'm not even going to name fan, anyone specifically. Let's, let's twins have actually been spending too much money in the past couple of years, though they've gone downhill in my opinion. I like the way it's set up. Baseball is a completely different sport than football and basketball. The, I mean, you, we've seen multiple opportunities for plenty of teams that have come up. Like the A's this year. And tr- there have been teams, like the Twins, for years when they had lower salary cap, yeah. they've been good for, in your words, they sta- they stayed good. In the Moneyball years, actually, the Twins beat, beat the A's in the, play- in the first round of the playoffs. And I guess where, where my problem with the salary cap is you find that teams have to come up with a gimmick, like, like this, you know, the, the whole baseball, you know, prospectus, you know, stats, and really analyzing players just to, because they couldn't attract free agents. They can't, they can't sign Jose Reyes. You know, the, 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 you know, Jose Reyes is not going to go to Baltimore. He's not. You know, that just won't happen. And so they had to find smarter ways to draft, smarter ways to find free agents that wouldn't cost a lot of money. And I, I think where it takes away from baseball is that you don't see the dispersal. Like you, you're not going to have a big star on a team like the A's, on a team like the Orioles. You know, as much as I like Adam Jones, I don't think Adam Jones is like a superstar. Baseball is not those... that much of a star sport to begin yeah. with. One player, I mean, obviously people can dominate, but like if Miguel Cabrera is on a terrible team, yeah, that team's not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a different sport. I think it brings into like the magic of baseball somewhat. I think that's why it's fantastic. Um, you don't need star players to win. That's why the A's or the Twins can win postseason series, can make it to the postseason over teams that are. Have a hundred like fifty million dollar salary or whatever. 
I think that's why it's fantastic. I don't think in basketball and like the NFL, this lack of a salary cap would work because those are sports where stars can absolutely just die. I, I think it's also fair to say that there's more stars almost. Um, where in the NFL, I feel like you have more kind of superstar players, you know, maybe on one team you've got a star quarterback and a star receiver, or you've got, you know, a star quarterback, a star receiver, you know, star safety. I agree, yeah. Because once again, like, even when you get MVPs, like, people are always like, oh, Miguel Cabrera, Mike Trapp, Buster Posey. Yeah. But, like, when you look at the NL, how different are his stats compared to, say, Ryan Braun? No one talks about Ryan yeah. Braun this year. He played un- incredibly well. And the, the, speaking of which, Ryan Braun, the former NL MVP. Yes, and I mean, but look at his team this year. It wasn't very good. They played disappointingly. Mm-hmm. Phillies yeah. this year, huge salary cap Phillies disappointment. Marlins, awful. huge salary cap. People are saying they're going to be great. Huge yeah, disappointment. Yeah, we were talking about the Marlins. You know, the Marlins exactly. had a huge salary cap. They invested a lot of money into their team, and it didn't pan out. And, I mean, we saw it, I don't want to say with the Yankees, but you eventually did see it where the Yankees weren't being held up by A-Rod. You know, they were being held yeah. up by... They're being held up by the people. You know they're being held up by. They're being held by Raul Abanez. Yeah, well, I mean, you can't even talk. Still, Derek Jeter doesn't help support the salary cap idea. The two most efficient players for the Yankees this year, in my opinion, were Robinson Cano and Derek Jeter, both of which came. And Cano vanished in the playoffs. That's different, yes. Yes, but but for the majority of the season, he he hit three three ten, hundred and ten RBIs, thirty home runs. He was great. Both of those players. Farm players. They're yeah. still overpaid, the, but they're yeah, still, they're still overpaid. But I think I'm really in disagreement with with the Yankees system for getting players. They sign players two years after their prime. We you, you've seen that in multiple cases. Nick you've Swisher, A Rod, Swisher, Sabathia. It it's ridiculous, and I'm tired of it. It it creates Clemens an, Johnson. It, it creates an unexciting atmosphere, and I got. I bored. agree, but I don't understand how that. I, th- I like the way it's set up, and that's coming from a fan who's used to the small market team. I guess where it, where it also irks me is, you know, I've got like a 2003, you know, 100th like edition Yankees, you know, poster, and it's got the team from that year. And if you look at that poster, it's got the full roster. I think there's three people that were still there, including Joe Toy. Joe toy has gone. I mean, it's, I think it's Derek Cheater. I don't think Cano was actually on the team at that point. I think Pettit was on that team. Um, I think Pettit, I guess, now that Pettit's returned, I, I guess he was back there. And Mariano. And Mo. So I think that, that was the three. Baseball players don't stay on their teams. I, I guess so, but I feel like it was just a little bit like, you looked at who they were replaced by, and they were all free agent acquisitions. They weren't a lot of farm players. And I feel like you lose an identity with the team, where it's you've got a new team every four or five years. I think there's more of an identity years. than other sports. I think baseball, baseball teams can keep an identity much more based on who their owner is, I guess. Like, Yankee. You can't argue that they haven't kept their identity. I, I guess it's still the same identity. I just feel like you, you miss out on players. You know, like they're in there for three years, four years, and they're gone. Yeah, it's pretty similar to basketball nowadays. I think in basketball you see a lot more, a, more, a lot more players stay for a little bit longer. I, I guess it also has to do with the salary cap, though. Where you know you've got the salary cap and players aren't signing. You know, what's the max? It's five years max deal. So players' contracts aren't going to be for more than five years. You won't see them for more than five years on a team unless they decide to re-sign. You know, unless it's Kobe Bryant, unless it's, um, who else are some good, you know, one-team examples. Um, exactly. You know. People switch. I yeah. think that the identity on teams probably switches more in basketball than in baseball. Twins have kept their identity throughout probably my entire life. Yankees, even though players have switched on and off, it's still the same identity. Still the same still the team. Same I'm going to go hit it's home still runs. still boring. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Their play style is the same and stuff like that. Yeah. I guess I meant like, 
no, I've got a Jason Giambi jersey, you know, that I think I bought it at, you know, JC Penny for 25 bucks. And, you know, I think I got that jersey in like 07 or something like that. And like, what, what, he was gone by 09? Like, and it's like, that's just completely irrelevant. Like, Hideki Matsui, completely gone. Like, Ch- uh, Chimane Wan, like, I just, they go, they cycle through players. Yeah, I think it's. <laughs> they cycle through players so quickly. And I think I just, it's more the magic, like too, when people just bust. It doesn't add, like, you can't. It's so much more of just like baseball. So much more of a different sport in basketball and football. You can count on people. There's not nearly as much disappointment or yeah. surprises. I think that's fair. You don't see. It's rare you see a huge drop production like Hanley's year, um, two years. Or I guess three years ago to his year two years ago. Exactly. Where he just dropped. I, I mean, he was a number two pick. Like I said, he was a number two pick going into that season, um, and ended up hitting two eighteen with like seventeen home runs. So. I will agree with you there that where it's very, I, I guess, magical where yeah. athletes can kind of just lose it. And I guess I think that also has to do with baseball being um, a different kind of sport that's where right. it's much that's more, argument, yeah. you know, it's it's hand-eye coordination. It's not as much strength necessarily as you would in football or basketball. Yep. And it's much more a skill set that you really have to, to hone and find and, and fine-tune. And I think that's where, you know, we talk about uh, the baseball's farm system. And there's a farm system because you can't jump from high school into the pros. That's a rare thing. You, do, you know, even Bryce Harper, you know, who granted he didn't stay in the minors for too long, but you're not going to see someone jump in from high school. They just they don't have the eye. Exactly. They don't have the you know they're not used to the ball speed and stuff like that. So I think it's 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 definitely a much different sport. I just don't feel like the salary cap that or, or I should say that the lack of a salary cap with the current luxury tax is the right way to do it. I feel like that there could be a better way. Even if there wasn't a salary cap, maybe it was a stricter luxury tax, but I think just I just think sense. it keeps the game All right. the way it should be. One last comment about this: if you were to set if you were to set the payroll, we're gonna say it was set at 150 million. How many teams is that gonna affect? The Red Sox. I guess Yankees, that's kind of my that, that, that's kind of my argument. Like set set a high salary the, cap, the only so it's thing only that affect, I would, like the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Phillies. Yeah. The only thing that I would even like about the setting the thing is like setting a max contract, just because I think baseball players in general are completely overpaid. So if you're looking at a society thing as a whole, but like I just don't think the salary cap makes a difference. Once again, you're talking about the Phillies. Yeah. Great job this year. And uh, you know we know baseball, we know Bud Selig, and baseball is such a, a sport of. You know, traditionalist. I don't think it'll ever change. You know, we see it with the instant replay. But oh, yeah, it's you know, changed recently by the way. Yes, but yeah, it's just whatever. Which was uh, an awesome move, by the way. I uh, it's completely like money wise. It's unfair. And right. so I think we're gonna we're gonna start trying to wrap up. I think we're just gonna quickly talk about the Jets. Bum, bum, Scotty, bum. how long did it take the Patriots to score twenty one points? That would be fifty two seconds, Seth. I believe there was an episode of Spongebob where Spongebob said, hey, want to go see me touch that rock? And, you know, it showed Spongebob just kind of standing still. And he went, hey, want to see me go do it again? That's what I felt like watching the Jets. It was like the Patriots would score. They'd say, hey, want to see me score again? Kickoff. You know, what was it, like a kickoff? Return the fumble for a touchdown or something. It was like, just the butt fumble. I mean, that's just... It was just an awful game to watch. That was hilarious. I felt bad for you. Okay. I'm, I'm going to take you through a small sequence of events. I've never laughed at my team. <laughs> you have cried. I've cried. <laughs> I, I will completely admit that. Uh, 
I laughed the first time during the Jets, during the Jets game on Thanksgiving. What happened was is that they scored the first two touchdowns after the 80-yard touchdown pass to Shane Vereen. So I'm like, oh, God, they're, they're going to destroy us. At least I'll, I'll deal with it. At least we can rely on Tebow. Yes. It, yeah. Well, just, I don't want to talk about Tebow. Uh, they go for the snap. Sanchez realizes that Lex Hillier is running in a different direction. So he's going to try to make something out of the play. Runs forward, full speed head into the crowded offensive line. Brandon Moore's butt comes out of nowhere. <laughs> tries to slide, just kaboom! Nails him. Down on the ground, fumble. Steven Gregory returns it for a touchdown. I was more surprised that Sanchez didn't down himself while he fell. It was like he stayed like he stayed in the air longer just so that it could be a butt fumble. Uh, it's a joke. <laughs> it's about it. it. It is a joke. They really have to... First of all, get, get, get rid of Sanchez. I can't stand him. He tur- He's a turnover machine. If you look at the interceptions... I think it's just, you know... There's, I think the season's a bust. Just, I think the season's a bust. I think Rex Ryan's gonna be fired. You know, it's. I don't want Rex to be fired. I, I, I still. He's think, going to be. I still. I, be. I still think he's a good leader. I don't want him to be fired just yet. My number one, on my hit list, is Mike Tannenbaum, the general manager. When you look at the offensive talent that's on the Jets right now, it's funny. Their number one receiver is Jeremy Curley. Their number two is a receiver named Stephen Hill that keeps dropping the ball and blew it the first game against the Patriots. He's unimpressive. And then there's literally, like, no one after that. Uh, and Vikings have a joke, too, but they can find ways to win. Kyle yeah, Rudolph. it's because they have an Adrian Peterson. And yep. then one year past the Kyle Rudolph. <laughs> but it's, it's, just, it's just a joke. It's and definitely a, a tough situation to be in as, as a Jets fan. And, you know, it's ridiculous. my condolences. Uh, with that said, I think we're going to wrap it up. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to the podcast. You know, we really enjoyed doing this, and uh, we hope you guys enjoy it too. Um, we'll, got, we'll see you next week. We'll hopefully be back with uh, Justin Arzi, J-Fly, the swag king. Uh, congrats to him. Shout out to him. He got into Tulane. If you see him in the hallway, if, you're, if you see him on Facebook, send him a nice little congratulatory message. And uh, thanks again to Andy. Andrew Allison Godfrey for being Woo. here, making sure we don't uh, we don't we don't we don't gooch up the uh, <laughs> we don't gooch up the podcast. Uh, thanks. See you guys next week.